0: Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast. I am Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier, along with Mike Carmen. It's a record-setting Purdue football week, I suppose you could say, Uh, coming off of last night. Drew Brees is now the all-time passing leader in in Purdue, or in NFL history, I should say, and a lot of accolades, or a lot of, um, what do you want to say, like, superlatives and and congratulations all over social media. I saw Mitch Daniels this morning, pretty much everybody involved in Purdue sports getting out on the act. So it's just, it's an interesting moment for Purdue because I think like they, people were bringing up stories from years ago, kind of, you know, putting a focus on Purdue football, even for a guy who hasn't been here for a while.
1: Yeah, no, no question. I guess you didn't have to stay up that late because it happened in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If that's the moment that you wanted to see, but when you when you just look at the kind of game that he had, I think it was twenty six and twenty nine, almost four hundred yards. And, you know, that's that's a that's a perfect way to to, to set a record like that. And uh, at some point, Patrick Mahomes will break it <laughs> at this pace. Yeah, <laughs> or or in my case, I hope Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> would somehow. I'm a little <laughs> less confident about that one would, would break it. But uh, no, it, it it's not something. That I don't think anybody would have seen when he left Purdue. I don't think you would have put that, uh, oh, he's going to set the all-time NFL passing record during his NFL career. I mean, I just don't think you would have seen that. It. It's not a disrespect to him. And I also think the narrative about Drew Brees, about you know his, you know yes, he's six foot, he's not your prototypical quarterback and all, all those things type of things that he was overlooked, maybe coming out of high school he was, but there were other factors involved in that with his knee injury and uh, and his size. Mm-hmm. but you know, I think people forget he was he was the first player taken in the second round of the NFL draft. that's what 31, 32. Mm-hmm. so he's <laughs> he's a top 35 player coming out of that draft right. um, and just because you were not a first round pick, doesn't mean that you were not considered uh, uh, a high-level player, and, and we've
0: seen quarterbacks where you're taken in a draft can really vary from year to right. year based on who needs a quarterback, how many are available, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, but you know, people, you know, out there try to, you know, well, he wasn't a first-round pick, so you know, that's that's a disrespect to him. Nah, no, it's not. I mean, what round was Tom Brady taken in? The seventh round. <laughs> All right, so. And look at Tom Brady's, uh, you know, career and the number of championships he has. So Drew Brees has made the most of his situation. You know, you look back on it, you know, he had that that brutal shoulder injury when he was with the Chargers, and yeah, people, uh, other teams are going to be hesitant. You know, when you're coming off something like that, to to, uh, to to evaluate whether you you can perform to the the level that you were. But credit to him for. Going through the rehab, and I, you know, I think he got a perfect marriage with New Orleans, yeah, you know, and Sean Payton, mm-hmm. and that that's the, you know, that's how these things work in a way. You, you know, just it's not just Drew Brees; it's the offense that he runs, and it's the the coach that he plays for, it's the organization that he has, and you know all the timing of it with him bringing you know the the town of New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. I mean, it all just kind of fits a good narrative for him uh, but I mean he this guy was uh, a top talent at Purdue coming out in the NFL and he's proved proved that again and he's going to you know he's going to put that record out there a long way right uh that it's going to be it's going to be tough to to find that to get that record again but the way the NFL is today where you're throwing 60 to 70 percent of the time someone will probably beat it at at some point but you're going to have to you know you have to be a good 15 years in the league to do that that's staying healthy and being with the right team being with the right receivers being with the right coach you know it's almost a kind of a perfect situation and uh but yeah i mean it was a it was a good night and you know it also would beg the question the value of drew Brees and purdue just not in football and athletics but as a university how do they how do they take advantage of this right. and keep their keep their name out there.
0: Well I thought it was interesting you saw on uh, some one of the graphics link was one of the ones you retweeted had Favre and Manning and then Breeze in the middle in a golden black jersey wearing number 9. <laughs> now that's the Saints jersey but it it looks right. it could just as easily be a Purdue jersey. It just doesn't say Purdue on it. And the, this is one of those accomplishments that is yes, you have to be a great player in order to do it. But all those other things have to link sync up to it has to be the right system, which he obviously was in the right system in new Orleans and the longevity of it. And I think that's almost the more surprising thing of it, considering what he had to go through as far as, you know, missing a, or having that significant interruption in terms of health in the middle of his or the prime of his career, really, or what you would have thought would have been the prime, you know, he was still a fairly young player when it happened. And there was legitimate question as to whether he was ever going to be, not just a great quarterback again, but what could you continue to 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 produce at the, at the NFL level? Um, and you're right. It's also really interesting, too. How long can you hold a record like this? I think he is going to go out and probably add to it here in the next couple of years. But you've also got Tom Brady not that far behind him who has... Said that he wants to play what, like four or five more years, maybe. It seems like he's already sixty, but he'll be in the senior NFL <laughs> league at some point. <laughs> and 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 look at the people that he passed. It wasn't like he beat out you know Y.A. Tittle and Fran Tarkenton <laughs> to get this award. I mean, it, this goal. It was Brett Favre and Peyton Manning, two people who were contemporaries of his for the most of his career. And you got like you said Brady right behind. So you are just in this era of of football where these sorts of numbers are going to keep going up the same way that you're probably not going to see a 2000 yard rusher again sometime soon. So, now having said all of that, it, I think it is it's a testament to some guy, a guy who um has had some perseverance and and um um it it it, it can be like I said for, because its longevity plays such a role, it, it's it's as much a credit to his toughness as it is his ability to to throw the football.
1: Yeah, and he's he's worked extremely hard you know, after the shoulder injury and just to maintain I mean he's taking pride in his conditioning, his nutrition and all that kind of stuff when he's not, you know, out there buying Jimmy John's <laughs> sandwich shops. But uh he he took a lot and, of pride and, in the physical
0: part. And ninety year old basketball jerseys. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, that, that 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 as well. Uh but I mean here here's a guy that took care of his body once it got healthy and really has has, uh, has elevated his play, and uh, you know it's it's good to see. It's you know it's good for Purdue. They need to ride this wave uh, of goodwill. You know I don't yeah I don't think it necessarily a doesn't equal b in this in this situation. Just because Drew Brees did this doesn't mean that Purdue's football program is going to to do this. I mean it's right. it's, it's 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 I think it's good for the program to have its name out there, to have Drew Brees out there, who is, as Jeff Brom said yesterday, has been a great ambassador for the program and the university. And that, that has never wavered, regardless of uh, of the football program and, and the coach that has been here. But, yeah, you, you ride that wave and you, you you try to take advantage of it. And, I, you know, I think, you know, there's enough smart people at Purdue where they're doing that now from a social media standpoint. And it gets get your name out there uh, a little bit more, maybe – Maybe it does make a difference with a recruit down the line uh, that they're just maybe they're just thinking about Purdue a little bit more than they than they than they were prior to to Breeze breaking this record. But I, I don't. It, it, to me, it's really hard to to quantify what that means for Purdue
0: just in a lot of different areas. Well, it, it was already happening anyway. I mean, he's a guy. He's got his name on the, a building here. He's been very involved in other fundraising effort. I shouldn't say fundraising fund giving <laughs> efforts. Like he's just given money to Purdue athletics in, in other ways. Obviously the, the John wooden Jersey being sort of a peripheral kind of fun example of that, but then other in more concrete ways, literally concrete ways, helping them build the performance center, things like that. And has always kind of been, even though he's not someone who comes back here and hangs out, been pretty open about his appreciation for Purdue and things like that. And I, it's just, where do you put him in the lineage of Purdue football and just his importance to Purdue football as a, a national brand? I can't really think of anyone else who makes this sort of national impact. You had some guys who came before him, quarterbacks and quarterbacks are going to maybe have that sort of impact in a way that play other Players might not, but I think he's one of the few guys who's gone on to a great NFL career. Where people probably automatically, not maybe automatically, but convert, a lot of people can say, "Oh yeah, from Purdue." Like there's there's an association there, partially because he had great success and was a quarterback in college, and was you know I think he was at the Heisman you know thing, the the right. the, uh, the show and everything. So I mean he he got some recognition back then as a Purdue player more than say. Rob Ninkovich, people don't associate him with Purdue or, or some of these other guys. Maybe even like One Short, Brian Kerrigan. I don't know if people automatically think Purdue with those guys nationally. But Bree seems to be kind of this guy who gets to carry the flag nationally for Purdue in some ways. And unlike and, and some other people in Purdue history, other greats and other sports, and and or just around the big Ten and around nationally this this relationship does not always carry through, but it seems like both Breeze and on Purdue's and have, have really tried to cultivate that over time and keep that alive,
1: yeah, I mean, if you go back to when they were in a Super Bowl uh, against the Colts down at Miami, he was basically stumping for Purdue from a recruiting standpoint during yeah. his media sessions and yeah it's like, I mean, again, more goodwill, but you know, you, you tie when you, when you, yeah, he, he's the ambassador. He's the guy. I don't think there's anybody else at his level that carries that flag, uh, like he does. And I, you know, I think that's a genuine love for the university. I mean, it's a, it's a place that took a, took a bit of a chance on him, uh, when a lot of other schools, you know, were, were shying away, especially in his, in his home state. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, you know, Kentucky, I guess, could be benefiting with this right now. <laughs> or, Maybe. Or yeah. one of those Ivy League schools that he visited. I can't remember if it was Brown or Harvard or one of those two. But, uh, you know, Purdue took a chance on him. I think he still kind of, you know, remembers that and still is always willing to, to give back and pay back. And he usually does make it to one football game a year if it if it works out from his schedule. Now, I think the Saints have a bye this coming week and Purdue's on the road, so mm-hmm. that probably wouldn't work out. You know, if you could get him back for the Ohio State game, that would add some more juice to a nighttime crowd that, that's right. going to assemble in, in, in Ross-Ade Stadium. But he, he's always at the forefront. And then you combine what Breeze did Monday night, and now you have the movie about Neil Armstrong coming mm-hmm. up. I mean, you're producing a pretty good national window here where they're going to be mentioned a lot. And that's that's something that, the you know, the people, or the marketers over there, and all that—I assume—is you know they're going to take advantage of that of that situation, and, and they should. And so Purdue's going to be in the you know in the national spotlight over the next few weeks for
0: a variety of reasons. We'll put a poll up on Twitter: what greater accomplishment, NFL all-time <laughs> passing leader, or uh, landing on the moon? Well, I, I would hope it's a toss-up. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'd hope the moon thing might <laughs> might win out, but you never know.
0: Well, returning back to earth and back to uh, present day, uh, it's almost kind of like the, the Drew Brees era at Purdue all of a sudden again because uh, Purdue is a double-digit favorite on the road in the Big Ten this weekend, which doesn't happen very often. It certainly hasn't. It's been a while since uh, since they've had that situation. They're a, a 10-point favorite at Illinois on Saturday, coming off of their off week, bye week, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Illinois coming off a 38-17 win at Rutgers just a really important game for both of these teams i mean purdue still has to kind of get some wins back for ones it felt it gave away early this year and illinois has been in this rebuilding situation under levy smith for a couple of years and i'm sure that they see this as an opportunity going into the second half of their schedule to you know get just one any any win for them right now from where they've been coming back from is crucial and um Coming off of a road win, I know it was at Rutgers, but you won by three touchdowns on the road. First road win for them in a while. They probably see an opportunity to build some momentum carrying into the second half of the season.
1: No question. I mean, this is this game has a lot of ramifications for both teams because Purdue, as you said, Purdue's trying to climb out of that zero and three hole. And if you know, and we, you know, everyone kind of talked about it at the time that when they when they finally got that first win that if you can get back to 500 at the halfway point of the year, then you've got, you've got a chance to really to, to still accomplish those goals that you, you set out at the beginning of the year, but you couldn't slip up, couldn't slip up against BC, which they did and You couldn't slip up at Nebraska. Now you can't slip up at Illinois. You got to get back to that, that 500 mark, uh, in my opinion, in order to have a chance, even though there are probably a a couple more opportunities in the second half of the season than maybe what I thought at the beginning of the year, but still, you you can't bank on that. This is a this is a game where you're you're viewed as a favorite. You're coming off your your off week, and you you really you know to me this is probably a maturity game for Purdue. How, you know how how do they handle their business knowing the situation? You know it's similar to Rutgers last year where you were. You were a, a more than a touchdown favorite. It's a game that the way Purdue had played up to that point, even though I think they were coming off the, the loss to Wisconsin, that they felt like they they needed to win. They should have won that game, and they didn't. And they were their own worst enemy that day. So you can't have a repeat performance going against you know, an Illinois program who's on your same level right now. And this is a game that you, that – Purdue has to win from that standpoint, but Illinois thinking along the same lines, you know, they're trying to get to a bowl game. This would be their fourth win. And then in the second half of the year, you only got to pick up two more and their schedule is, you know, it's favorable, favorable as well yeah. uh, in, in a lot of cases. So, you know, they're trying, each team is trying to do the same thing here and um, it's really going to be interesting. I mean, you, you know, we focus on Purdue because that's who we see all the time. But is this team mature enough to
0: take this step right now? And I think that's that's the biggest question uh, for Purdue. Yeah, Illinois has to go to Wisconsin next week. But, I mean, they already played Penn State, and they don't have any other monsters left on this schedule. They don't have Ohio State. They don't have Michigan, Michigan State. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a fairly favorable schedule. I think Purdue would take this next seven games if they could. <laughs> That Illinois gets, um, not that not that Purdue's is is necessarily overbearing, but um, so. But part of the question here is, I mean, when you see, and we've talked before about what a point spread really means, and how it's it's more about getting money on both sides of the line, and it's not just a measure of how good one team is relative to the other. However, when you factor in the fact that this is at Illinois, this is essentially the odds makers saying Purdue is almost two touchdowns better than Illinois on a neutral field. You could make that jump in logic. So just how good is Illinois right now? What, what, I mean, do you have any assessment onto, I mean, this is a team that didn't beat Kent state by that much, but that also means they didn't lose to them the way Purdue lost to Eastern Michigan. They got crushed by 40 points by Penn state, but it's a game they were winning in the third quarter. They had a chance to win at South Florida, had a third and 20 at the 50 yard line and gave up a 50 yard touchdown pass in the final minutes. Um, so I, I I don't really know necessarily how to, to gauge them. I know I'm from central Illinois. I still talk to people from central Illinois who are pretty rabid Illinois fans. I think they don't know exactly whether this team is good. Kind of the question we were posing about Purdue a couple of weeks ago. However, I do. There is more optimism there, even in some of these losses that you're starting to see a, a turn in terms of just kind of maybe some confidence in where things are going.
1: Yeah, I- and if they can beat Purdue, that kind of gives them an indication uh, of how good they are right now. Uh, you, know, beating, you know, beating a top-level team is nice and all, but in order to really build your program, you gotta, you got to beat the teams that you feel like you're on par with and programs you're on par with. And I think Illinois and Purdue are, are swimming in that same end of the pool, right now and they for you know they probably always will be uh for for a lot of reasons but you know Illinois has done it with kind of Lovey's NFL approach uh where they're getting turnovers and they're turning those turnovers into points they've had a turnover in 19 straight games they forced one and they have forced at least two in every game this year something Purdue has done well these last uh four games is take care of the ball they've They've had a couple fumbles and one interception, I think, and in the, in the last four games, and you know the the quarterbacks have thrown one pick in eighteen quarters. Um, so they're they're not giving the other team some free chances. But Illinois is going, going to be trying to, to to keep up that turnover chain or whatever they. I don't know if they have some sort of gimmick they use like Miami of Florida. <laughs> Knowing Lovey, probably not. No. Or Maybe they put on a fake gray beard when they get a turnover. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> they just have little beard stickers <laughs> that they put on their helmet. Yeah, that would be that would be uh, creative and nice if they <laughs> if they would do that. So, I mean, Illinois has a has a running quarterback. So you want to you want to get him in a situation where he's not scrambling outside the pocket uh, and making plays with his feet. You probably want him to throw the ball as much as possible. So you've got to have a have a pass rush uh, and put some pressure on him um so it's 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 just such you know f- for a game that really nobody outside of the two fan bases are really going to pay attention to it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a huge it's a huge huge game uh it, it it will determine more for purdue maybe than illinois but it will determine kind of the direction the second half of the season takes for for each program
0: those people out there who are just desperately <laughs> waiting to find out who goes to the Motor City Bowl or whatever it's called these days. Yeah. But when
1: you know, when you haven't been in a while, sure. any
0: bowl is good and
1: when you're sure. trying to go back to back like Purdue is, you know, you that's that's what this is all about. It's about getting uh, it's about getting back to a bowl. And this was you know, we this was going to be somewhat of a transition year for Purdue because of a lot of the things they lost on defense. But if you can find a way to get to play one more game at the end and you know I, I think that's uh that'll that'll be an accomplishment
0: especially the way that this season started Man, this beard really does look like a fake beard maybe <laughs> people say that when they look at pictures of me too I don't know but um <laughs> they don't hide I mean they they kind of embrace that yeah. beard over there Right. Well, anything to kind of take the the <laughs> focus off of how long it's been since you won football games consistently, I suppose. Um, no, it's it's a it's a fun gimmick, and, and Purdue's had had those over, over the years too, I suppose. But what what parallels do you draw here between Illinois and the last team that Purdue just saw in Nebraska, as far as the offense? It's it's dangerous to just say, oh well, that's a spread, this is a spread. They're they're similar, but you've got a mobile quarterback so there's some similarities there on the other hand i don't know that illinois has the quality of receivers or isn't known for having the quality of receivers that nebraska has and and that's sometimes a factor that gets overlooked is just how good guys are at playing on the ball running their routes that sort of thing
1: well produce produce problem from a defensive standpoint is being able to play in space and then tackle in space and that's that's the challenge of a spread offense is they want to get you in space and get you in one-on-one situations and then make you miss. You know, my athletes are better than your athletes type of approach. And saw that a little bit, a little bit against Nebraska. Um, you know, the thing with, the, you know, Martinez from Nebraska is he's, you know, he, he throws the ball really well, I think, along with mm-hmm. you have to watch out for what he can do on the ground right. as well, where um, I don't think the Illinois quarterback is that great of a thrower but he can really beat you with his legs and they they turned out uh, what over 300 yards of rushing against Rutgers uh, last week you know Corbin their their big back you know averaged a really decent amount on the ground and that's where I think Purdue's focus has to be is they gotta they gotta figure out a way to to slow them down and how you do that you know while you're being spread out is really you know a challenge your your defensive linemen really have to occupy those blocks and that's That's where your linebackers come into play, and guys like Bailey and Derek Barnes and Cornell Jones really, I think, really have to step up and have big
0: games in stopping the run on on Saturday. Illinois allowing almost 300 yards a game through the air defensively too, and that's with a FCS team on their schedule, with Kent State on their schedule, so not exactly like they're playing Drew Brees every week, (laughs) though I guess nobody is (laughs) unless you're in the (laughs) NFC South. Um, But... this seems like an opportunity for David Blau. I know this is probably a big game for him. I think they're all big games for him now. From talking to him after the Nebraska game, he seems to have a real sense of the finality of all this for him. He's got seven games left in his college career, maybe eight if they take care of business, and he's he's aware of that. And um, and But this one in particular I think probably has some he, – he understands the significance of it and probably has some personal significance for him too. He
1: does. I mean, this was the game where he had his ankle – Broken and his foot was pointing in the wrong direction last week or last year. And that, you know, it ended his season because he was at that point, he was going, he was the number one quarterback for Purdue, just similar to this year. He's the number one quarterback right now. Uh, And it, it, it kind of, uh, you know, changed changed his path uh, because I'm sure he wanted to be the one to take the the team to a bowl game and uh but you know Sendolar stepped in and you know we all know the results of that so this is a this is a big game personally for him um not that he his ankle was broken on any kind of specific play that he can change that just they initially called targeting mm-hmm. on that play and then they reversed it which I think if you go back and look at the the replay of that, it should have been, still should have been targeting. That would not have changed his ankle situation. <laughs> right. It was he was got in an awkward situation and got, you know, just it 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 snapped at the at the at the wrong time. But you know, I think it's probably more of a personal redemption for him to to play against Illinois. And you know, it's it's kind of like okay, yeah, last time I played Illinois, you know, I got my ankle shattered. Now this year when he plays Illinois, it's kind of, okay. It's kind of a full, kind of a full circle moment for him to come back and and uh, you know potentially lead this team to to a win on the
0: road that they that they desperately need. It's odd to have watched these sort of the narratives of the Elijah Sindelar, David Blau careers sort of twist back and forth, and it, it, I'm just it it's. You wonder if if we've seen the last one. I mean, you know, obviously is getting healthy again, but Blau is entrenched now. He seems like clearly the number one guy. But just the way that things have gone back and forth for them, you always have to wonder, like, is what when's the next thing going to happen that, that, that forces this, you know, to turn back in the other direction? And in a lot of ways you hope that doesn't happen because you would hope that just for everything David Blau has put in in his career that he'll just – he can he can finish this off. It would be kind of a, a fitting end for for his career, having gone through so much losing in the past and some of the physical things he's had to go through. And he's one of those guys that is probably sub cradle of quarterback level of of career, but can still have a, a really important and and memorable career at Purdue if he if the way it finishes off this year.
1: Well, the way I equate their careers, it's kind of like when they show uh the hurricane track (laughs) and then when it gets inland and it can go like all different directions kind of like the spaghetti routes or whatever right that's how I kind of you just don't know which direction that (laughs) that the hurricane is going to take on the spaghetti route uh but I I, you know I've said it and I'll continue to say it I you know I I don't think we've I think we'll see Cinderella again at some point um and it, it could be performance related. It could be something else, or or, or whatever. But um, you know, I still think we'll see, we'll see him. But as long as David continues to do what David has done, then he's going to be the guy. And I think he knows that. And I think he, he's mature enough to handle that. And I, I think is he's taking chances, but he's not taking unnecessary risk. If that makes sense. And you know, a lot of that has been pushed by Brom and his aggressive play calling and. Wanted, Jeff wanted him to do certain things, and don't you know, don't be checked down Charlie uh, so much. And, and I think that's helped bring David to this point, to where he's he's comfortable in the offense, he's comfortable with his receivers. It definitely helps to have Rondell Moore. And if you know if, if another outside receiver can emerge, then you you really got something something working here. But you're, you're right. I mean, he wants to. You know, he'd like to see this thing all the way through, get Purdue to a bowl game, and it would be a kind of a nice way to cap off his personal career at Purdue, especially when, when you look at how the season started and he was not going to be the number one guy. Uh, and if not for those two really bad interceptions, who knows if when he would have gotten his opportunity.
0: You know, if if the season continues on the trajectory it's on right now. And they're able to, especially if they're able to get the, enough wins to get a postseason situation. I think you're going to look back on that possession in the first half against Missouri, where he checked down and I can't remember if he even threw a completed pass, but it, yeah, was, it was to Mark Hill Jones, but it, but it didn't result in anything that other, positive for Purdue other than a butt chewing by Brom. <laughs> right. But then, yeah, he, <laughs> he got over on the sidelines and, and Brom lit into him a little bit. And, and from that point on, we've seen a different David Blau really. I mean, I, I don't know how, I don't know if it was an, a equals b thing there but we may look back on that as just being kind of a crucial possession even though it was a um, a play that didn't really result in much in a game that purdue lost did that sort of change the mentality not just of david blau but by extension just the, the whole team in some ways to just give them that that kind of kick in the butt that they needed to just be more aggressive and and to, you know, let it all hang out a little bit. Well, I, I
1: charted that, I think, going into the Nebraska game, and I, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head. He doesn't have an interception since then. I think his completion percentage is either upper 60s or lower 70s. Uh, so by the numbers, it, it has worked, but I, it's more of a mentality than anything else. I, I really, I think, you know, Jeff went into that week with Missouri – Wanting to be more aggressive in his play calling, in part because of who they were playing, he thought they could exploit some things against that that defense. And you know, and you got to remember that that initial game plan was for Cindelar until he got hurt to that Wednesday of that week. Yeah. But you just transferred over to Blau, uh, so he just he just put David kind of on edge and just said, "This is what you need to do in order for for this to work." And you know, as Jeff has said, you know, they're not they're going to go down swinging. Whatever they do, if they if they go down at all, they're going to go down swinging, and that's that's I think the whole team has adopted that, and especially David. He's again, he's not being reckless. I don't think with his his play, um, he's being smart, but he's also keeping that edge. Uh, you know, every time he, he drops
0: back, I find it interesting that, that Jeff Brom goes back to his baseball background <laughs> to come up with the <laughs> analogy or the the slogan for how to approach this season. But since we're talking about other sports, we might as well segue on into basketball because now we're we're in this sort of part of the season where things are overlapping a little bit i'm going up to chicago uh later this week for big 10 media day purdue will be represented there by carson edwards grady eifert um ryan klein and uh, obviously matt painter (laughs) will be along as well and um i'm kind of curious i think we know One thing that'll be announced, which is I'm 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 almost sure Carson Edwards is going to be the Big Ten preseason player of the year. He better be. I I I already
1: said it last winter. (laughs) Or at some point.
0: I thought I said that. Yeah, I I, I really I mean the only the guy the only probably other real strong contender might be Ethan Happ from Wisconsin. He's another guy that I've seen considered a you know, a first team all American kind of player by some people. But I I think just for, for any number of reasons, the the fact that he's a high scoring guard helps. The fact that Purdue's had the team success they had, whereas Wisconsin had a down year. I, th- I think you're going to see Carson Edwards be the first preseason Player of the Year for Purdue since I want to. It was Robbie Hummel. I can't remember exactly what year it was. I Maybe mean, around 2010, 11, kind of early in his career. Um, Is that something n- Carson will embrace? Publicly, he'll say and he'll already, say all the right things. I get that. Publicly, but- he will say and has already said preseason doesn't really mean anything i feel like i haven't done anything yet it, it's and in some ways i think that number one it's true i mean these preseason things don't mean anything as much as we fill them out and 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 post them to hopefully you guys will come look at them by the way go to jconline.com you can see my preseason ballots but um he's he, so he does have the right mentality about that sort of thing however he's also a guy who I think has a chip on his shoulder and will probably see this as something else. He maybe has to live up to a little bit and could be a motivating thing for him. I'm about to write a piece. that will be on jconline.com later tonight. We're just recording this on Tuesday, but the guy who wins preseason player of the year in the big 10 hardly ever wins it at the end of the year. It's, it's been like twice in the last, Twelve or fourteen years that the guy who wins at preseason wins at postseason. One of those was like Frank Kaminsky or something who was just a no brainer, and I, I can't remember who the other one was off the top of my head. But it, it's it's rare, um, and but a lot of, of that
1: is. But a lot of that's equated to
0: team success. Exactly, too. exactly. So the preseason Player of the Year many times is all right, just bar none. Who's pound for pound the best player coming into this year, or who who do people think is, or who's the best pro prospect, or whatever. That's kind of how people are voting on it. When you vote on this at the end of the year it's where what did your team do who was the best player on the best team or the team or the guy who was most responsible to a team having the success it had which is why last year kata bates job won it from ohio state because you look at that team and you're like he took this huge jump and the rest of this team took this jump along with the same reason caleb swanigan won it the year before that he was a guy who improved himself and took purdue and and lifted him up to a a big 10 title i mean those those sorts of things are what resonate at the end of a season. So um, that's the other thing I'm curious to find out is where people are going to put Purdue in the pecking order going into the year for the Big Ten. Because I put them fifth on my ballot, but with the caveat that really it's, I think Michigan State's the clear number one right now, in my opinion. We'll see how, that. I don't know if it'll be a consensus pick, but I think that's probably who will be picked to win the big 10 going into the season. And then there's a tier of about six or seven teams that I think you could jumble them up any number of ways running from Michigan all the way down to, you know, Maryland or, or Minnesota. There's, there's a, there's some teams that have some questions to answer, but also some teams that have enough talent coming back that you think they should be pretty solid. Um, and just based on the track record of those coaches and things like that. So I, if, if Purdue were to finish fifth, it would be the first time that they finished outside of the top four um, in five years or something like that. Um, but I also think that I think the big 10 could be pretty decent this year. I don't necessarily think that finishing fifth will be a, a detriment to this team or, or, or would be reflective of necessarily having a bad season.
1: No. And again, it's all preseason stuff and it's just stuff that chew it's on. best guesses.
0: <laughs> it's tough to chew
1: on. And then, uh, you know, as you get as you get a little bit deeper into the season, some of these, all these things, kind of come. You know, they you you find out what's fact and fiction uh, with a, with a lot of this stuff. But you're you know you're right. It's a lot a lot of player of the year at the end of the year is based on based on your team. But you know, if Carson Edwards goes out and averages you know twenty eight points a game, but Purdue does finish fifth, I's you know that's probably still a strong uh, strong case to be. Player of the Year in the Big Ten uh, again, without knowing what what other guys are doing, and you know Wisconsin could have this big bounce back year, and you know Hap could be the yeah. the guy that carries him to that, and there's just, uh, and who knows, Romeo could be <laughs> that guy. At the, at Everybody just of shut year. off this podcast right? <laughs> I <just> said that, <laughs> but yeah, I mean there, that's that's you know as you as you get deeper into basketball season, you know that's you know what does he do in his in his freshman year down there and does he elevate himself you know by the time he get to march will he be in that conversation
0: it's it's also rare that freshmen win them and it's it's rare that if you it's not just it's hard to win it in the preseason and win it at the end it's it's that you usually have to finish first or second to win this award at the end of the year i mean your team does um it's 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 happened a handful of times i don't have it right in front of me Again, it'll be in the piece I'm writing, but there've been like maybe one guy who finished fourth, one guy who finished fifth, one guy who finished sixth. And we're talking about going back into the nineties that this is early nineties. I think that, that they've been given this award and it hardly ever goes to someone who doesn't finish at the top of their team, doesn't finish at the top of the league. And I kind of wrote this when, when Carson Edwards announced he was coming back um, that, you know, he's, he's proven himself to be someday an NBA draft pick, possibly a lottery pick. He's that, I think that part of his future is secure. I think what's interesting now is he now takes on this new role to where his legacy at Purdue, in part, will be defined by what did you come in, where did you take this team? You've got it. You've got. You're gonna have four new starters next year. There's nobody else on this team besides him that started more than two games last year, and that was um, one of those was Grady Eifert starting for Vincent Edwards, who probably will not be a start, may not be a starter again this whole year, depending on how lineups shake out. And then Matt Harms had to start when Isaac Haas got hurt. So really, you're the only returning starter. Um, you've got a lot of freshmen, redshirt freshmen. Evan Boudreau coming in from the outside. There's a lot of sort of unknowns with this team. It doesn't mean there isn't talent. That doesn't mean, uh, as I think I wrote in my blog piece, just because there's questions doesn't mean they don't have the answers. But there's going to be a lot of spotlight on him to be one of the one of the answers. One of the reasons why this team either is successful there isn't ultimately this season it would seem to me that he would love that role he would love to i think he does it's his he'd personality he would carry
1: you know not that it's an ego thing but it's just yeah I mean, he wants to he wants to elevate his game but I also think he wants to elevate everybody else's game and he would be the perfect guy to do that and i, I guess you could throw Swanigan into that where he did elevate other people's game but i uh, games but I also think it's different with a guard it's much yeah. different with a guard that if he can still get what he needs to get from a from a point production standpoint but also bring others into that mix because he's gonna have the ball in his hand no question uh, you know I think it could it could shape up to be a special year for for him and maybe not a championship year for Purdue but a but a year where where there are these kind of questions going into the year but at the end of it, when all the smoke clears, here's Purdue, you know, third, fourth, you know, maybe second in the league because of what these other parts were able to to accomplish throughout the
0: season. I think for for a guy who is so um hesitant to brag about himself, number one, if you were the other way, he would be getting slammed for it. So no and there aren't that many guys who just come out directly and ask you to talk about how great they are or, or you know the you, it's it, it's a rarity as much as we we try to give people the credit for for being maybe more deflective of that attention at the same time well, sometimes
1: really... in the media we feed that a little bit a little because bit, yeah, there, are, yeah. there are people that will ask questions so how do you think you played tonight right. well how am i supposed to i mean really i mean how am i supposed to answer that yeah how did i play that? i thought i was great <laughs> thank you for asking or that most was guys. the best basketball that anyone <laughs> has ever played, but most guys just like deflect that. Yeah, and yeah. you know they're always, you know, Ron, you know, Rondell Moore is kind of an example where he's had a couple nice games, and there's been people asking how how he played, and the team lost, and that's kind of where his focus was. And I, you know, Carson's kind of the same way, right. in that regard, where you, you just kind of deflect that, and you let you let other people kind of, you know, portray how good you were. You don't you don't need. You don't need really to say it. And, you know, that...
0: You well, you also have an objective standard. You can also look at a box score. You can look at the result of a game, whether they won or not. And and that, that tells a story, too. And I think also actions speak louder than words. And you can just watch the way Carson Edwards plays basketball. And that probably ultimately says more about who he is than what he says to people he knows are going to then go relay what he's saying um the fact that he plays with a lot of swagger the fact that he plays very assertively very confidently i think that is is more who he really is inside and i mean that in a positive way and i think and that's exactly what matt painter went and got him for they were like we need to we haven't necessarily had someone like him before that like lead guard guy who can handle the ball if he needs to a guy who can be an impact player on defense but more than that a guy who just is can fill up a box score can 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 throw the ball in the basket from anywhere on the floor can score in a lot of different ways and can and can lift a team that way and so far that's that's paid off but it has to pay off in a a kind of a different way this year probably even more so last year he was still as much as he was a star he got to play off of all of these other good veteran savvy experienced guys mature guys and this year it's it's a it not as solid of a mix at least not coming into the season well, the, the the results will bear that out too but we don't know yet exactly the the footing of of this team and exactly what the makeup's going
1: to be. Well, ideally he he carries this team early and then other people just kind of fill in as the season goes on where when you get to Big 10 season he's not the only one doing it. He's not the one that you're 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 relying on to do 100% of the load. You you've got other guys stepping up and filling those roles so when you get to the the long conference grind, you know, you, you've got other people uh, uh, contributing, but there, there, are, there are going to be games, even in the conference season, where he's going to, he's going to carry the load, and there's going to be nights when he thinks he's feeling it, but he's not. But he's still going to, yeah. he's still going to do it, which he should. Um, but you'll you'll need some other dynamics as 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 this season unfolds.
0: I think you know two guys who seem particularly important in that regard are Nogel Easter and what you know. What steps does he make? as much as Carson is probably going to handle the ball a lot, he wasn't necessarily – and has it in the past, actually. But they didn't necessarily have him bring the ball up and setting up an offense in, in the same way that a traditional point guard would. And I don't know how much he'll do that this year, but it'll probably be more than he has in the past. I just think Nojil is the guy that they want to be the, the number one guy there, um, also from a defensive and rebounding perspective too, get him on the floor as much as possible. And then Ryan Klein, who we've heard really good things about, just sort of his approach – coming into this year, the way he's been leading, but also just taking a little bit more of an aggressive stance of his own on offense and being um, having a little bit more variety to his offensive game. And I think that's going to be important because he's going to have some opportunities, just all the attention that people are going to be paying to Carson Edwards. Somebody else in that perimeter is going to have some, some chances and he's got the kind of offensive skills that, that he can make people pay with. So um, we'll see how that unfolds in the coming weeks. I will be up in Chicago on Thursday, so follow me at JC for that. Uh, Mike will be reporting on Purdue football all week, so follow him on Twitter at Carmen underscore JC. And we'll both be in Champaign, I think, on Saturday. Um, so uh, we'll have a, you know full coverage from that for you at jconline.com. Anything else as we sign off? Nope. <laughs> well, that'll do it. Join us uh, for the post-game edition of Boilers Extra on – Sunday evening sometime and Saturday Saturday. Saturday evening well, Sunday morning, maybe. And, uh, and, uh, we'll be back with you again for the midweek edition next week.